Hello and welcome back to the Brunswick Sharehouse Studios on a Monday evening. It's good to have your company. My name is Jason. I am the co-host of the Melbourne Victory Podcast, for fuck's sake. The podcast for fans, by the fans. Uh, it's good to be back in the Brunswick Sharehouse Studios. It's been a little while. I'm back from the United States of America after a short break. Uh, it's a bare Brunswick Sharehouse Studios these days. Um, one of the housemates has moved out in the last week and... The Lizard is gone, um, which was such a staple of the Brunswick Sharehouse Studios. It used to scare the shit out of the guests, but the Lizard's gone. The table's gone. So it looks like a, a bit of a crack den sharehouse. <laughs> Brunswick crack house. Yeah, it's it's so the end of an era. Goodbye, Lizard. We're going to get some more furniture. But uh, in the meantime, we press on. Uh, I'm here, Jason, the co-host. Everyone here is, is, is back for the first time in quite a while. Uh, I'll introduce first the man of the people who is looking a little bit... Red Raw today, um, obviously has been out in the sun over the past uh, few days and over the weekend. Buds, the man of the people, welcome, hello, What's how up? are you? Yeah, feeling, feeling quite sunburned. I've got some new nicknames today at work. Yeah. Got absolutely slaughtered by the co-workers. I got Lobster? A, no, no, creative than that. I got Big Red? Solar Powered. Solar Powered. And the, uh, <laughs> the best one from my warehouse manager, the Pink Panther. Oh, that's good. Not bad. That's pretty good. It's always a, always a risk when a ranger goes out in the sun without sunscreen. Yeah, you'd think he would have learned his lesson. What? How old are you now? 36? No, not that old. Yeah. Not that old. <laughs> Over 30. Uh, <laughs> you know, young enough to not give a shit and mm. old enough to know better. Mm. Uh, that's what I get for helping the missus. She did a corporate triathlon. So in the process of living the training, I got stung by jellyfish the other week doing the ocean swim with her and... Got sunburned to buggery yesterday. It was all worth it. Only a few more days until you flake over. Uh, another one joining us in the Brunswick Sharehouse studios. And uh, I'll take you back. The last time we heard the dulcet tones of this man, the chief analyst, was on February 3. Wow. Um, he's been missing. And since then, you know, there's been a worldwide search party rivaling that of Madeleine McCann. Um, people have no idea where he's, where he's been. Uh, has he's, he been busy? He's been hungover. Has he been nursing a hangover? Has he been hiding? They've been asking. Dave, the Chief Analyst of Avark's Sake, welcome, and where the fuck have you been? Tell you what, having to hear about this month-long hangover on the <laughs> last couple of episodes, I've had to, I've had to be uh, restrained in my reactions. But uh, yeah, it is good to be back. Uh, listening back to that live podcast, jeez, I had a few too many, didn't I? Um, but uh, yeah, as I've, as I've explained elsewhere, I blame the kitchen. I got there at, <laughs> I got there at four o'clock, had this... Grand plan to eat a steak, mm-hmm. rock up to the bar and said, uh, I'll have the uh, porterhouse. Oh, kitchen's shut. I have it on reliable a reliable information from our friends at Destruction in the Box that the kitchen was serving food all day. No, I can corroborate Dave's story. <laughs> corroborate, did, please we, corroborate. We did get there a little bit early. Yes. And uh, we got there about maybe 4.30 yeah, yeah. and the, the kitchen opened at 5.00. So there was there, the kitchen was closed when Dave originally asked, but there was ample time for perhaps Dave to oh, have a by meal. By the time that <laughs> happened, I was already a few pints <laughs> deep and didn't give a shit no, about true. food anymore. But yeah, uh, in the interim, though, I have been uh, filling in for you on various other platforms, uh, Football Nation Radio. And I was going to say to you the other day show. when you were like, oh, I'm going on this one and this one, I've been on this one and this one. I'm like, yeah, all them, but no FBS. You've been on the other ones more than yeah, you've been, been on Yeah, you've been quite a regular on Football you've Nation been very Radio. very good, Dave. Oh, Very thank good. you. Yeah, look, it's a, it's a great project that they've got going there, and I wish them all the success in the world. Mm, I was I was doubtful that they'd make it, but they've been going for quite a while now, a few months, and the money hasn't run out, so they've been creating some good content, and it uh, looks like it's been fairly well received, and you're one of the stars of the show. Wouldn't go that far. I think I'm, <laughs> I'm on for like three minutes or whatever it is. Yeah. But best uh, best yeah. three minutes of the fortnight. Of Woo. course. Uh, Dave, uh, I'm sorry to do this to you, but I don't, I don't, I don't want to let you off that lightly. We um, haven't even got to your 
United States. Oh, that's yet, the same so, old, yeah. you know, girlfriend, San Francisco, shithole, crackheads. Uh, <laughs> no, back to what I, back to what I was talking about. I won't let you off too lightly. Now, I've done video content for Vuxay video content and stuff like that, and I've been plastered. And you know, I'm certainly not immune to uh, to getting a bit fucked up at, at FES events and doing things like that. But I'm also the guy that controls all the content we have, and I've got all the video, I've got all the audio. And uh, I like to do things and I like to create things. And I thought I'd compile a little bit um, something oh, here. I was wondering where you're going with this. This is uh, from FVS Live, Dave's Greatest Hits. <sighs> Joining me is the chief analyst of FVS, Dave. A big round of applause for Dave. Do you know what? I've been fucked before, but it's better to be fucked by Ernie Merrick than it is someone else. So. And I'm a bit worried about his defensive capabilities when he comes actually back. That's, that's where my worries are. Is it fair to say that Terry Antonis maybe his best use isn't uh, with Valeri next to him as the single holder. I mean, it's t- you can't answer this, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> we need a breathalyzer on stage, please. <laughs> Criticise Carl Valeri. I'm sure everyone here remembers the title-winning. Delivery of Carl Valeria. It's, it's extremely hard to be critical. He's such a nice guy too. He's like... <laughs> yeah, exactly! <laughs> he had a whole bunch of heart stuff. Uh, no, it was the brain stuff, not the heart. <laughs> yes, heart stuff. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dave. That was just too good not to do. I, I came <sighs> to the door and Jason opened the door, greeted me with a... <laughs> With a firm handshake and said, I've just done the best thing I've ever done for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'll cop that. that that's, that's pretty good work, Jase. Well Thank done. You. <laughs> uh, so we have a really big show. It's, uh, it's been obviously a few weeks since we've been together, but we've got a big show on this week. Uh, we're going to review the Melbourne Derby win against Melbourne City on Friday night, was it? Yes, it was Friday night. Uh, a big win against our Crosstown Rivals. Member of the Week returns. We're also going to chat about Jason Guerrier leaving. Um, a few tidbits with our NPL side. Uh, maybe a bit of Kevin Musket discussions uh, regarding his contract. We're also going to take some questions from our social media uh, fans. And Paul Williams from Asian Football Feast. The, uh, the Asian football expert is going to join us to give a bit of a preview against uh, well, for uh, our match against Kawasaki Frontale on... Uh, Wednesday night, so it's in a big show. Full frontale. Uh, can I just say one thing quickly? Uh-huh. Uh, thank you to Clarky and Rudy from Destruction in the Box. Absolute Sorry about legends that, yeah. who um, had me over in the Green Wedge Palace up in Greensboro mm-hmm. at uh, Clarky's Palace up there. It was awesome, and they uh, they do a great job when we are in need. Most certainly, yeah. I forgot to say that. Thanks to uh, thanks for Rudy for keeping Champions. the host seats warm, and then Clarky for housing. The, uh, the makeshift FES last week. And uh, go absolute and, legends. Go and listen to their podcast, Destruction in the Box. Best A-League podcast going around. Absolutely. Uh, music theme is Leroy or George. Someone explain this to me. I don't really understand what's going on. Oh, we're so in love with Leroy George right now. I think there's no other way to, I guess, make a mark. Got to pay homage then, to the man. Exactly. Contract isn't signed. Uh, we'll talk about this later. We need to pay homage as much and let him know that we want him around. For many more Vux seasons to come. Hashtag reemploy, Leroy. Leroy. Uh, so that's it. Let's get into it. You're listening. Dave, you got something? Nope. No? You're listening to For Fuck Sake. Bring back, bring back, bring back that Leroy Brown. Bring back, bring back, gotta bring that Leroy Brown. Bet your bottom dollar bill, you're a playboy. Daddy cool with a $90 smile. The first sponsor of Avaxake is Ambrosia Fold Designs as seen on the block and married at first sight. 
the uh, number one rated television show in this country, Matter at First Sight. Um, how about that, NASA? Isn't he a prick? Located in Telemarine, Ambrosia opti- uh, specialise in weddings, functions and corporate events. Ambrosia also offer floral workshops, which make great gift ideas. Book a consultation for your next event by calling Leanne on 9338-3609 or you can contact her online at ambrosiafolderdesigns.com. Mention MPS to receive a discount off your next booking. The big derby on Friday night, Melbourne victory, uh, I would say it was kind of an unlikely win, wasn't it? It was uh, 2-1 to the Vuck. Um, a pretty good performance. Uh, now, I was... Admittedly, I was flying home. Um, so I've seen bits and pieces. I've seen the goals. I've seen that miss by James Teresi. What happened there was a the keeper up for the corner. Yes. And he's had an open goal. Yeah. Oh, that was, he had that... an open goal. He also had Bessart screaming for the ball to his right. Uh, I like when Bessart doesn't get his way, though. Yes, so do I. <laughs> it, look, it's a shame. But look, we'll obviously dig into this a bit more, but JT had a really good game, uh, so it's a shame he couldn't cap the game off with that. Um, but, you know, I mean, there was probably a sense of relief. You know, we, could, we were thankful at the time that we got the three points, but if you look at the table right now, we're actually level on goal difference with Melbourne City. So I think all these little things count. So, yeah, it's one to regret, really. I'm going to let you boys just go back and forth. You talk yeah, cool. amongst yourselves oh. and I'll, I'll maybe interject where I, where I can, but you go, you go nuts. Uh, we were on from the first minute. We were on from minute one. We scored what was a uh, another VAR overturned goal for the VARC. Um Jimmy Troisi was um, big. His little flicks and dinks worked the other night and... Uh, Costa Barbarossa, our man, um, so he smashed it into the net. But uh, it was a bit, a uh, bit of a premature celebration. Yeah, Bessard offside, mm. um, and that's becoming an all too regular theme, unfortunately. And it really, really took the wind out of the sails that because that goal goes in, and you know the celebrations, and you could see also on the bench how hard they celebrated. Uh, it was, it was a really shit way for the game to start in in some respects but I love our listeners uh last week when we were yeah. just recapping the uh Shanghai SIPG game mentioned that Archie Thompson's Wikipedia got changed and I said someone should change Bessarts and within two <laughs> minutes of Bessart being uh, uh done by the VAR for being offside and the goal being uh rescinded um someone changed it and then screenshotted it and sent it to us and said you're welcome I so forget who it is right now Bessart, place of birth. Yes, offside. offside. Yes. <laughs> well done to whoever that was. Um, well done. We we defended imperiously, um, blocking their passing lanes, didn't give them an inch. We absorbed the pressure that was always going to come as soon as we hit the lead. So we, we did our smash and grab at the start of the game, but then it was a case of structuring up and you could see we were quite happy to sit back and let City have most of the ball. We look like we've dropped that possession and passing around that all cost kind of game. It looks like um, last couple of games we've uh, we've gone out with the modus operandi of playing on the counter. I think it yeah. work, I think it works for us, and it it, it certainly does. And, and there's a sense of discipline about the way we went about it in pretty much every aspect of our game, except Lee Broxham's flailing arms for that uh, Vitasic cross in. So that was probably the only moment where you know, we really dropped our guard uh, and we let City equalise after Costa, who scored a, a terrific goal and I have to say his celebration mocking the VAR was one of the great things that I've seen all season. It was super. Um, there was It was a, I'm going to call I think it was the best derby in a long time. Um City players are all the same. They're all the same. They're Do all tell. Bitches. They're, oh, they're just all. They're all niggling little bitches. They're, <laughs> they're faking the role. They all. They all got a chip on their shoulder. Must have been all the. Must have been a couple of years of Cahill rubbing off on them all. Uh, they're entitled, and I really, really, really liked. We might be skipping ahead one or two things here, but I really liked what James Donerkey brought back to the starting lineup. Donerkey lad. lad, that Biff. That yeah. bit of biff that he showed, and just he loves going after. I think it's might have. I think he's done it before, going after Luke Bratton, who is just a brat. 
just a yeah, little shit. And they're former teammates too they're former back in the day. And oh, I think he just go, he they go, don't just like go, each other. He just goes for him. He's great. Yeah, he's, he's got huge physical presence. He's a real grab-the-collar by the... Oh, yeah. He's a real grab-the-collar kind of guy. And in this day and age of sports... And clean cut images and things like that. I, I like it. He's that's the what, fighting, fighting Irish. That's why he's, he's a mongrel. That's why he's Donicky lad. And that's why as soon as he, as soon as the doctor clears him, Kev's like, "You're my boy, James." Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's good. probably sees a bit of himself in uh, Donicky. Does Kev. possibly it helps that the kid can actually play as well. Um, we didn't see any Jason Guerrier. Um, that's something we'll talk about. Well, I thought it was time. weird that he was even named on the bench when the rumours were swirling that he was effectively sold. Yeah. Mm. So, Doesn't make a lot of sense. Look, it looks like we're going to roll with Deng. Yeah, on, yeah. Right? And I thought Deng acquitted himself fairly well. He had a tough job. Uh, you know, for parts of the night, he had to deal with uh, Daniel Arzani and Dario Vidasic at times as well. So, Can you just quickly, just to, sorry to interject here, because yeah. I haven't watched much Melbourne City. I'm not, I don't watch much neutral he's that, A-League. He's that good. He is that good. He's that oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, yeah. He's worth... He's, he's the he's, best young player to sort of spring out of A-League youth system, you know, in the youth systems in general, yeah. in a very long time. Wow. Beats players off a step, you know, draws multiple defenders... He's got a shot on him. You know, he, he, his decision-making is generally good. He is that good. He's about 20 years old as well, isn't he? 19. 19. So he, yeah. hasn't, he hasn't gone over to Europe yet. This, no, is, this is what I was fearing about Melbourne City. He's actually... Yeah. I heard people talking, oh, oh, he's the second good one they've brought through since Aaron Moy. It's like, sorry, they didn't bring Aaron Moy no. through. They poached him off West Sydney Wanderers who took him. I think he was developed over Blackburn Ooh, Rovers. I, th- I feel like Scotland. Western Sydney turfed him. I think they maybe revived Aaron Moy's career a little bit. They didn't, yeah, they didn't develop him. But that's exactly were... right. Western Sydney offloaded him at the time. Um, I think you know they were trying to. Let's I think he like, wanted more let's money. Let's not digress. They didn't. They didn't <laughs> yeah. City City didn't make Moy. No, they, they didn't develop him. So they they seem to have done a good job with us. They've cashed in on Moy. That's they yeah. sold him for more than the yeah. club was worth. Yeah. <laughs> so they seem to have done a good job with Arzani. But I thought we um. He was lively. He was pretty much the only thing really giving City any kind of life in this, in this game. Bozanic was sh- shocking. Oh, as, yeah, as I was going to ask about him. How'd he go? Shocking. Anonymous. <laughs> Anonymous. What you'd expect. He's just, he was, I didn't yeah. even notice him. Half he the looked night. exactly like he did, you know, at Amy Park yeah. just when he left. How was the crowd reception for him? Oh, he, he was getting some mild boos. Mm. Not, nothing too. He was so on. anonymous during his time at Vichy. He's just like a, Blip on the radar, wasn't he? Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't worth getting upset the about. The people that were uh, offering up the booze probably realised that we actually paid him a shitload of money to play for <laughs> us. <laughs> but what what we did do? We we nullified Kamau, we nullified Vidasic. Fornaroli was in um, Donicky's pocket most of the night. Um, yeah, and a, a couple of times in the lead up to this game, I mentioned uh, Football Nation Radio and the Daily Football Show. I had a good feeling about this game because the City squad are in a kind of flux again. They were in that situation at the start of the year and in January they made a lot of moves. Obviously, Kale left, Kilkenny left. They brought in Bozanich, Delbridge and you know, Karuska was another one that left. Fornaroli's only just returned. So they're unsettled. And this was, they were ripe for the picking yeah. after coming back from Perth. And then they didn't have Schickenfeld, and then they had Mini Musket. Mini Musket's an absolute hack, so it was, <laughs> it was all fuck. Yeah, uh, and look, they only scored due to one mistake from us. I thought Kev was brilliant in terms of the approach that he took for this game, and I think we want to delve into Kevin Musket a little bit. Uh, Cosmina made some very mm-hmm. interesting comments. I think it was on uh, Shootout about the fact that Kev seems to be evolving some kind of plan B. Did you just say Kevin Musket and evolving in the same sentence? You did. Well, I did, yeah. And I what that is is a recognition of the fact that this Asian Champions League campaign, we're clearly you know, the worst team in the group. So what do we do as a result? And it's what I touched on at the start. The structured, disciplined, really, you know, counter-attacking football side. Mm-hmm. You said before, Buds, that we do it better. And we do, because guys like Costa Barbarousas, Barisha to a lesser extent, but Leroy George with the quality decision-making that he has, so he knows when to try and take on a player. And while we're on 
the topic of him taking on players, let's stop for a moment and dwell on Leroy's nutmeg of Scott Jamison. Oh, very nice. I've watched that on loop over and over and over again, and I think I'm going to watch it again and again tonight as well. Moment of silence for Scott Jamison's career. Okay. Um, um, so with the counter-attack, I, I touched on with the destruction in the box boys last week about this has been the perfect tonic for the Asian Champions League. has been the perfect tonic for managing Carl Valeri because you've got Sanchez who hasn't been picked for the A-League and you've uh, got... Champions Val- League. Oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah, sorry. The Champions League. And then you've got Valeri who's clearly winding down. Uh, Father time is approaching now. Maybe Valeri hasn't been that bad, but with a counter-attacking game that we played, there it is. Sirens. There it is. What, what have we got today? Looks like uh, I think we might have an ambulance I'm saying here. It sounds like an ambulance to me. Overdose, I reckon. It's an ambulance. Yep. It's an ambulance. Okay, so with the I talked, I touched on Matias Sanchez's ball movement and his speed of passing is far superior. His decision-making is not as good as Carl Valeri's, but his ball movement and his thrusting the ball forward is much superior to Carl Valeri. The faster ball movement is going to work better for us with a counter-attacking game style. I think Sanchez getting the starts, he's finding his feet. Okay. I think he's finding his feet. I Because a few weeks ago, he was anonymous. Like He went large periods of the games without really being noticed or anything like that. So I guess for him, obviously the skill is there. It's all about the consistency. Yeah, I'm. I'm not going to heap praise on him yet because he's he's such a liability still. He still gets caught out a lot. Uh, I, I, I've watched him a fair bit in the last two games, and he often his positioning just seems a little off. But what I think does benefit him, and I think you guys talked about this last week, was that. If he has some time in a game to acclimatise to the conditions, he starts to get a run on. He, yeah, he starts to get familiar, familiarity and rhythm in the game. And his second halves are almost always better than his first. So, look, I think, I think this is a bit of a turning point because it's very rare for Kevin Musket to make this kind of big decision on a pretty important player, our captain in Carl Valeri. Mm. Valeri's got to be played in the Champions League. Has to be. Oh, yeah. He'll be back in on Wednesday night this, against Fontaine. His leadership and decision-making, is it's it's too good. And there's more time on the ball. Um, you, you've seen that with Troisi's performance in the Asian Champions League the last couple. And it's translated. Now, I think he's got some confidence. And it's starting to translate into his A-League. Because he was, Jimmy was good the other night. He was. Jimmy was yeah. better. He wasn't brilliant, but Jimmy was good. Um, bit of, bit of, bit more time on the ball and not as much press going on. I think our players are... Our players might be fatigued, but I think they're going to relish the the different style of Asian champ, Asian football in the Champions League. So maybe maybe we might be seeing a little bit of a window here for the season. And question without notice for you boys, do you think uh, JT's turnaround in form has anything to do with the fact that he's got the captain's armband on the last two games? Oh yeah, I think I think whatever whatever Kev did in benching him, showing him some tough love, and then giving him his dog biscuit at the end of. Uh, at the end of the training, I think I think there's been a profound effect. That is a pretty good turnaround. He was benched. He was put on the bench. I, I feel like he was dropped. Yeah, and you know and, he did that and, game? And he scored a, few, scored a worldy. Yeah, and a few weeks later, he's wearing the captain's armband. Um, impressive turnaround. Uh, it's all about whether he can keep that up. Because uh, the quality is there, but the performances just haven't been uh, consistent enough for James Troisi this season. Any more points in the game, or should we go into the votes? Lawrence Thomas, good game. Yeah, Lawrence Thomas had an excellent game uh, and I was hearing in the lead-up to the game that he was going to be dropped for mm. Matt Acton. So um, there's some talk around that Lawrence Thomas and the club are negotiating a new contract and that those talks have stalled. Yeah, well, Simon Hill, when he... When he yep. As predicted. <laughs> when he mentioned um, Guerrier being off he also mentioned something about Lawrence Thomas I didn't quite catch it so there's there's something watch this space I think with LT but interesting he's, he's a guy that could probably do a year abroad he's a young guy in his 20s you know do a year and 
a foreign country or, or something like that, he can probably get a gig somewhere if he wanted to do that, you know, to further his personal development, live overseas for a year or something like that. Um, I think uh, it would be uh, reactionary to drop him. Yeah, look, I, I think Lawrence Thomas and Melbourne Victory are a good fit right now. I think in a salary cap league, you don't want to be paying overs for your goalkeeper, but you still want someone who is of, you know, a decent standard in the upper echelon of goalkeepers in the league. And I think that's where Lawrence is. But, you know, he's probably wondering now, hey, I've won a title. You know, I've been the number one keeper for a couple of years. Pay rise. Yeah. And you can't blame a guy for wanting a pay rise. But um, in these conditions in the A-League, the club are probably thinking, well, you can just have a little bit, but probably a little bit's not enough from where he stands. Mm. Club need to uh, funnel their funds elsewhere at the moment. Where would where do you think that might be? Into Leroy Bloods? George's pockets, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of Leroy George, he uh, he was the top vote getter again uh, for the Pacific Metal Group Player of the Year, the Balls of Steel Trophy, uh, voted for by the fans on Facebook and Twitter. Leroy George gets the three votes. Costa continues his good form with two votes, and LT, the uh, the suddenly maligned LT, is uh, is gets uh, gets a one vote. Leroy George. Takes, I'm not going to say commanding lead, but a uh, in basketball terms, it's a two possession lead. It's uh, it's four points, uh, two game lead. So he's uh, he's four points uh, ahead of Williams. He's on 31, and then daylight. And uh, well, else. unfortunately, the third place, who's on 11, isn't at the club anymore. So I didn't put him in the brackets. Oh, there you go, Mr. Milligan. Mm-hmm. So that's the vote. Thanks to everyone who uh, chipped in through the Facebook and Twitter channels. Is now time for everyone's favourite segment, Member of the Week. Yeah, what do you do, you know? Um, when the moon hits your eye like a bigger pizza pie, that's. Remember Jurakovic. Putting the ball at the back of the net. When the world seems to shine like you've had too much wine, that's. Remember Jurakovic. Now, once again, I'm kind of out of the loop here. You put down Scott Jamison for this week's Member of the Week. Dave? I did. Is it because of the nutmeg it's or some other reason? It's because I hate him. Because he's a dickhead. Uh, <laughs> and he's a dickhead, yeah. Uh, look, he talks tough, Scott he's Jamison. He's a tough talker. But acts like a petulant child. Who was he talking tough to? It was, to, it was Tara? Tara. You don't yeah. talk tough. You don't give Tara attitude. That's you, right. And she's a pregnant woman these days. Yeah. yeah she, she, she got Cooper cronked. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. oh, yes. Yes, she did. There's <laughs> a nice image for you all at home. Uh, um, yeah, look, um, his halftime time. comments were pathetic. I can't quite remember the exact words, but it was something about there's only one team out there that's trying to win and trying to play football. You fucking plonker, we were 1-0 up at the time. And then, of course, the beauty of Leroy George's nutmeg. Uh, you could see as soon as it happened... Jamison knew that he was done for all money and he another tried to tackle him with his hands. Another second silence for Scott Jamison's career. Fuck you, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor old Scott Jamison. So he's this week's member of the week, I guess. What a prick. Joining us on the phone now to preview our match on Wednesday night against uh, Kawasaki Frontale, the J-League champions on uh, Wednesday night in Japan, is uh, Asian football feast uh, owner and uh, Asian football expert, Paul Williams. Paul, thanks for thanks for coming on FES. Uh, absolute pleasure, guys. How are you going? Good, mate. You're a, you're a Vuck fan, aren't you? You used to be on the MelbourneVictory.net forums from memory, Dasher? I'm... I'm a massive Vuck fan, yes. yes. I, I, I definitely make uh, no secret about hiding that one uh, in my uh, online presence. I'm a massive Vuck fan. So. Absolutely. And we've got you on board in, in uh, I guess, uh, a capacity of an, as an Asian, champ- or Asian football expert. So we want to chat to you a little bit about Asian football. And somehow you've uh, found yourself uh, all the way over in Adelaide uh, as a Victorian. Uh, I hope you're navigating that fairly well, Paul. 
it, it, it has its moments, you could say. It's um, it's going it's going all right. I moved over here to uh, to live with my now wife about uh, seven and a half years ago, and it's uh, it's all going well. I had a very enjoyable night at the uh, Red Army Pub last Saturday night as we uh, as we got a win over the uh, over the Reds. So that was a uh, that was quite an enjoyable night watching those guys uh, practice shits every time we score. That was great fun. <laughs> so let's delve into the uh, the Champions League and the state of play at the moment. We're obviously playing the J-League champions, Kawasaki Frontale, on Wednesday night. The J-League season is still yet to kick off, so the, uh, the, the J-League team is still obviously in their off-season. And they've started off their, uh, their campaign for the, uh, for the Asian Champions League with two defeats. Are they heading into their J-League season as a contender for the year? They are. They actually, it kicked off on the weekend, actually, the J-League season. Oh, kicked my off, Wikipedia uh, research. Kicked off on the weekend, just gone. So Kawasaki played Friday night. The, uh, they, uh, they helped them out with the fixture and played most of their the Champions League teams, mostly played on uh, on Friday night. They had a one-all draw with Sean and Dalmare, which probably isn't a super result for them. They would have expected to win that one at home. So, But they certainly head into the, the K-League season as, uh, as one of probably four or five, six teams that uh, would fancy themselves as a contender again. This season, obviously, they, they won it last year. Um, they've got, uh, you know, relatively uh, the same squad um, as they had last year. There's still got guys like Kengo Nakamura and Yuka Bayashi who are, uh, who are their two absolute stars. So yeah, they'll, uh, they'll fancy themselves as, uh, as contenders to, to go back to back. But, uh, yeah, clearly they've started the Champions League not as they would have hoped, uh, especially with that home loss to, uh, to Shanghai and the, uh, the loss away to, to Ulsan. So, you know, if they're, uh, if they're going to do anything in this Champions League, they're going to, uh, they're going to need to win these uh, back-to-back games against us, which uh, I guess that makes it a little bit tricky for us travelling to Japan. Um, at least we're uh, going over there with some form now, which is uh, which is good. But uh, it's always still a tricky place to travel. We've had some, uh, I think we've had a hiding there in the past when Ernie Merrick was still coach about uh, eight or nine years ago. So it's not a happy hunting ground for us. Paul, we're hoping you can uh, detail for us a little bit the the current strengths around Japanese football and the J League in general. Would you say it's at its peak currently uh, compared to where it has been in the past? Obviously, we just heard the news that Andy Nabu has uh, joined uh, Urawa Red Diamonds. Where, where do you put Japanese football right now overall in Asia? Yeah, and I have to say I'm quite shocked that Nabu's joined uh, Urawa, actually. That's quite, <laughs> it's quite a surprising signing. It's a fantastic signing for Nabu to, to head over to the Asian Champions League and uh, Asian Champions and and one of the biggest clubs uh, in Asia, really. But uh, it's a surprising signing for Arawa because I'm also an Arawa fan, and I just don't really see where he fits uh, where he fits into that side. So uh, good luck to him. I hope he does. I hope he does well. But uh, I'll be I'll be surprised if he gets a, a hell of a lot of game time. So, um, but uh, I wish him well, and hopefully he does well. But Japanese football generally, I don't know if I'd say it's at its peak right now. I think it's um, uh, it was probably. It was probably a higher level, maybe a, oh, maybe a decade or so ago. I think um, I don't think it's dropped a hell of a lot, but I don't think it's at its absolute peak that it uh, that it has been. Um, but it's clearly, I mean, it is a, a step up from the A League. Um, the the not about the professionalism, but uh, the, the the way they go about things. You, you talk to the players that uh, that go over there and play, and just the. The, the professionalism with which they go about things, um, the degree to which the, the club look after you and support you, the facilities, um, uh, everything, just everything, the environment around the clubs. I mean, you know, I visited a, a couple of uh, J2 clubs when I was over there a few years ago. Jeff United actually was one of them where Jason Gary has just moved to. And, um, you know, their facilities and their professionalism uh, are just out of this world. It's on par is, uh, and probably greater than any A-League club um, with the facilities that they have here and, and how they run their club, and um, you know they just can't uh, find a way to get promoted back to uh, back to J1, and uh, they're uh, but they are a, a relatively big club. They're one of the original J1 clubs. So Jason Gary, that's a good move for him to go over to a club like uh, like Jeff United. Millsy's played there in the past and uh, and had some success. So uh, you know Japanese football, it is the, the J League is the best league in Asia. I don't think there is any doubt about that. Um, in terms of you know the crowds that they get, in terms of the the football that they play, the professionalism, the standard, um, there is no doubt that it is the best in Asia, and it's probably a couple of levels above the A League. Does it have any 
issues. Like we, I think we spoke to Ryan Walters, who owns a, a K-League website, about the comparisons between the Korean League and the Australian League and the, the same kind of problems we both encounter. Are there any problems from an administration side of things or from a fan's perspective uh, that might be perceived as, as you know a trouble a trouble spot for for the J League at all? Not not that I'm really aware of. I mean, the the K League is a, a different beast altogether. So um, you know they they do have their issues around uh, uh, I guess around fan engagement and actually getting the fans into the into the stadiums. That I guess very similar issues to what uh, we have here in Australia, but that's not the case. In Japan, I mean, they get fantastic crowds um, for their games. Um, you just have to check out uh, any any J League game, and you'll see, you know, the active areas behind the goals are just full of colour and noise and passion. So um, that's certainly not an issue that the J League faces. And I think for, for the most part, the, the fans over there are relatively happy. It's a completely different kind of culture, you know. They are they aren't happy. They generally don't, you know, voice their concerns a hell of a lot. You'll see the odd protest banner at. Uh, at games, if uh, I guess if a club's really not going well, they'll uh, they'll start to put some protest centres out. But it's it's not the kind of culture that's uh, so you're going to have here in Australia, where you know we'll make our feelings known about how we feel about uh, the FFA. You know, we'll like Western Sydney, they'll uh, they'll wear t-shirts uh, with certain slogans on it. That's not going to happen in Japan. But I don't think they've got a hell of a lot to to really complain about at the moment. So uh, everything's really going along nicely for them. Now, Paul, it's it's well documented that uh, Melbourne Victory have been involved in six different Asian Champions League campaigns now and still haven't managed to win a game away in Asia. What do you put that down to? Do you think it's simply the gulf in class between the leagues or a lack of application from Melbourne Victory in the earlier days of the Champion League, Champions League? Or is there something else there that perhaps prevents us from... Doing the undoable at the moment. I was quite surprised when I actually saw that stat. Uh, I looked it up a, a couple of weeks ago after our uh, after our loss against um, Shanghai, and I saw and I I don't know why, but I'd swear that we'd actually won a game over there. And when I looked it up and found that we hadn't, it was quite surprising. I think in the early days, certainly you could suggest, and maybe except for our first campaign, uh, you could suggest maybe a, a lack of application. Obviously, there's that famous Kevin Muscat quote now about. Uh, you know, the, the Asian Champions League not being enjoyable to actually play in. So I certainly think there was a, a lack of application and dedication from the club to actually do anything in Asia. But from what I've seen over the last couple of years, it seems like they've started to take the Asian Champions League more seriously. And I can't—I I don't know if there is a specific reason as to why we haven't been able to uh, to get a win from away from home. You know, we have played against some really strong clubs. Obviously, we've had Guangzhou Everground in the past. Now, we were leading there, I think, at halftime a couple of years ago. Lee Robson scored one of his all-time great goals over there. Uh, and we looked on for a win, and then they turned it on in the second half. We've, we've had matches against Shanghai, SIPG, and we know how good they are as well. So, um, as I said earlier, we've had a, a thumping loss against Kawasaki. So, um, there is obviously a, a, a little bit of a golfing class with the teams that we are playing, but... Um, you know, we've also had times where, you know, we, we went over to, to Thailand about 10 years ago. We got turned over by Chombury over there, which not many people expected to happen. And, um, you know, we've had some games, especially in Korea, against teams that we would fancy ourselves against and, and just haven't got the job done. So um, it is, a, it's, I mean, it's very disappointing that we haven't won any uh, game away from home and coming to this Wednesday's game, I'm not sure, uh, I'm not sure this Wednesday is going to be the game that we, uh, we break that duck either. So... Um, you know, something's going to need to change. I don't know whether it's, you know, what they do when they travel. Do they need to travel earlier? Um, do they need to change up their uh, their travel plans? Because whatever they're doing clearly isn't working. Yeah, so looking deeper into this, obviously not a great record away from home, coming off a spanking at the hands of Shanghai SIPG a couple of weeks ago. But our league form has started to turn around just a little bit with two wins on the trot. Is there any chance of us winning at all? Is there any chance of us even getting a point out of this game or are Kawasaki just going to be a class above us? There's always a chance. I mean, every time you go into a game, there's always a chance you can actually, you know, get something out of the game. You know, Kawasaki generally will be stronger than us. I don't think that'll be any great surprise to people. Uh, you know, they are the, the, they are the J-League champions. So, you know, they are a strong side. I, the question for them is, will we now, how seriously are they taking the Champions League? You know, they've lost their opening two games. Are they effectively just going to put the queue in their ass and go, OK, well, 
we won't worry about that now. We'll just focus on our league form uh, and uh, and make sure we start the league season uh, on the right note. That might be what they do. So if they do that, then there's always a chance that we can um, we can go over there and, and get something out of the game. But you know, if they were to to go out there with a, a full strength squad um, and actually take the uh, take the match seriously, then we are going to have our our work cut out for us. So. I guess it'll come down to uh, you know what we see with the uh, team sheets on on Wednesday night. We'll have a good indication then of how seriously uh, Kawasaki are, are taking this game, and uh, you know if they perhaps rest a couple of their players, and we know that perhaps they aren't taking it as seriously as they could. And there's clearly a chance then for us to go over there and do something. So, um, but if they put out a full strength squad and uh, and you know make sure that. Uh, you know, they want to go out and get the six points from these uh, two games against us to uh, to get their campaign back on track. Then uh, if they play a full-strength squad, then it's going to be very difficult for us, I would have thought. Yeah, I'd have to agree, Paul. Uh, I think a, a little birdie told me earlier today that the, the boys on their way to Japan, uh, that uh, they were fairly concerned about this fixture. Obviously, as you mentioned, the J-League being the strongest league in Asia. And I think Kawasaki will be hurting having not accumulated a, a point at all. So I'd have to agree yeah. with you there. I don't think. Uh, look, I'd love if I'd love it if we'd uh, come away with a point and then perhaps knock them off when they return to Amy Park next week. I think, and what it does now shows it shows how disappointing really that uh, that opening draw was against Ulsan. You know, while it was a yeah. fantastic game and we were really struggling at the time, so we were happy to take a point. Um, that really was a game that we had to win because knowing that we had uh, uh, the games coming up against Shanghai and Kawasaki back to back, you know, away games, you know, we really needed to pocket those three points um, just to give us something, um, uh, something to go on with, given that we had Shanghai and Kawasaki coming up. So that way, if we could, you know, steal a point in one of those games, um, you know, with two home games out of our last three coming up, we'll then in a good position. So. Um, you know, while at the time we may have thought, you know, a 1-1 draw wasn't a bad result given how our form was at the time, um, you know, looking back uh, in hindsight now a couple of weeks later, you look at that and think that's a really disappointing result because, you know, we needed to get that win and, um, you know, they were, they were open at the back, we had our chances. So uh, we look back on that now and think maybe we uh, we lost out on two points and that could, um, you know, that could be the difference at the end of the day. Yeah, most certainly. Well, Paul, um, we'll probably leave it there for now. Thanks for uh, thanks for for coming on FES. Before we go, obviously you are do a bit of freelance writing, but I think your main baby is the Asian football feast. Is that right? Uh, I used to run the Asian football feast. I've uh, I've I've parked that one for now. My main baby, uh, obviously, as I said, I do the, the freelance writing. My main baby now is. Uh, the podcast I do with uh, with the great man Scott McIntyre. We do the Asian Game podcast uh, every fortnight, um, and uh, co- trying to cover as much as we can from across the uh, the wide vast land that is uh, that is Asia. So uh, yeah, look up that on uh, on iTunes or uh, or any podcast app. Just search the Asian Game. You'll find it, and uh, we're putting a lot of work into that. So hopefully, people enjoy it. Most certainly. Well, Paul, thanks for, thanks for coming on FES, and uh, hopefully it's a win for victory, an unlikely win on Wednesday night. Hopefully, guys. Uh, I'm on the vac. You dogged the boys. You dogged the boys. I asked for George Thoroughgood, bad to the bone, and you give me this. I'm down with boy. That'll do. No. <laughs> Alright, the next sponsor of Avak's sake is the LIT services. You can give Pete at the LIT services a call for help with anything IT related on 100 DL. Because of the LIT services, they give a hoot. Um, we'll do George Thorogood later on in the show you went to the toilet and we were putting on George Thoroughgood bad to the bone and Buds goes put boy George on ah. <laughs> <laughs> so was it, it wasn't me he goes put boy George on I go fuck yeah I'm going to do that your hip hop credibility just took a <laughs> nosedive mate, hey, mate actually, actually you know I, I do cop a lot of shit for the music choices but you chose that one yeah kind of but 
No, nothing can affect me after K-pop. I went K-pop, mate. Yeah, that, that didn't go down too well. Bullshit! Everyone the loved it. You everyone reckon? loved it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. all the Korean K-pop. people loved K-pop. it. K-pop, no, K-pop, K-pop was lo- good. K-pop rocks. K-pop was good. Yeah, disagree. A few tidbits from the the you week. Would. Obviously, Jason Guerrier, which we briefly touched on. Uh, he's gone off to Japan, the second division. Now, look, he had he signed a three year contract about a year ago, so he had a bit of time left. He was going to be a, a pretty pretty integral part of the victory setup, a, a pretty big cog of the uh, the back four. He was sold for, it's been reported, between 800000 to a million dollars. Now, Dave, um, that's what you'd say, that's what you call good business. But how many times can we do good business while also trying to win a fucking competition? Yeah, that that's a valid question. Obviously, it affects the momentum currently in the squad. But I think you have to separate the two concepts momentarily and realise that that sort of money for what I would describe as a, a run-of-the-mill right back in the A-League is just phenomenal. And, yeah, considering where his career was, uh, I think this is obviously a win-win situation because I've been thinking about the Socceroos and the right-back situation, and right now uh, there, there there's a real gap there in terms of the national team. Perhaps... He can use this as a bit of a springboard for his own career, and we just happen to get eight hundred thousand for him the coming the other way. So he's not worth that much, but I'm no. assuming just that the amount of time he had left on a contract kind of equated to. Oh, look, I think he's got the payout. potential to be that much. I think if Jason could add a bit more of an attacking, overlapping game and not be caught out in the the front third, you saw him. You saw signs of him being. Mate, and they're, they're trying to coach it into him to move forward and be an overlapping cog in, in a machine with, uh, of a press and an attack like that. I think Jason's got all the hallmarks to be able to make it in the A-League. Um, I think it's a good move for him. I think it's a good move for us. And I'm excited at the uh, the transition in the squad because it makes the off-season exciting because I think you can see signs that there's going to be an overhaul. I think there's mm. going to be an overhaul at Melbourne Victory, and I think round one next year is going to be a very different looking team, which is which is good. Yeah, we'll talk about. I think one of the listener Q and A so questions come through. What do we do with all that money? So we'll get to that in a few moments' time. Um, yeah, I, I agree. He's he's added a bit of a, uh, an extra dimension to his game that kind of overlapping run, but there's also an element at the moment in terms of A League kind of standard where he just seemed a little bit scared to pull a trigger in case he fucked up or just didn't want to have a go. So I think he needs to add that to his game, just play with a bit more reckless abandon. I think that comes down to his history as a, as a centre-half originally. Mm. You know, he was converted into a right-back since arriving at Melbourne Victory. So it's it's unknown terrain for him where, when he actually gets into that front third. And so he's not quite sure what to do. But he's still pretty young, 24, I think. Yeah. So, look, Jap... Japanese football, I think, is a good place for him to go. Uh, and look, the door's open because there are no, you know, we, we can talk about Risden has been used uh, in the national setup. But beyond that, as right backs in, in the Socceroos frame, it's largely been centre backs converted into right backs playing under Ange. So a new national team manager might have a completely different view. In fact, I'm sure he'll play a back four. Mm. So, yeah, the door's open for someone like Jason Guerrier. And we don't have a left back in the squad, so stuff it. Let's balance, yeah. let's balance the squad and not have a right back. Like, exactly. Let's, let's, just, let's, even, let's, let's even it up, straighten things out. <laughs> so in the meantime, it's, it's Deng's spot? It is. Yep. Yeah, yep. look, Negro will be poking about there as well. Um, obviously played that right back, I think, in his first game for Melbourne Victory in the seniors. So he's a, he's a chance to start to press for first-team football again. Is Jason Garrier essential to us winning a title this year? Could we do it without him? No. Well, I didn't think we could win it yeah, this no, year no, anyway. No, but, no, um, no. look, I think so. I think so. Look, Deng... It's almost like a repeat scenario of Jason when he arrived at the club. We're playing Deng as a fullback. And mm. so, you know, it'll take him some time to get accustomed to that role. But yeah, I think there's a thread on the forum for the love of God sign of fullback. 
Yep. Uh, That's paraphrased. It would a swear be, word in there. Yeah, it would be nice for us to have a natural right back and a natural left back. Currently, we don't have either of those things. Mm-hmm. So that leaves, uh, yeah, that leaves, uh, closes a, a chapter on uh, on Jason Guerrier. Uh, the NPL side, the NPL season is in swing, in full swing now. They uh, had a nil all draw against Altona Magic. Uh, Matt Sutton, a promising young goalkeeper, signed as a scholarship player, much like Thea Harris was. Uh, we discussed as well with uh, the goalkeeping situation. It's quite precarious at the moment with LT and uh, the club stalling on contract talks. Club has big raps on young Matt Sutton. So, you know, if things go pear-shaped with LT, you know, we might end up seeing Matt Acton take the step up and mm-hmm. Matt Sutton, hope he looks a little bit different to those two because it gets a bit hard to <laughs> pick them apart. But... Um, yeah, look, it's an interesting one, and uh, as I said before, we are limited, you know, with the salary cap. So I think there's a tendency to not, you know, pour a lot of money into the goalkeeping position. Mm-hmm. And just on talking about contract talks and things like that, obviously George Niki, and probably about a week or two ago, reported that Kevin Musket and the club were close to finalising a deal, or at least the, at the very least, talking about extending his contract for around about two years. Struck everyone by surprise at the time. Uh, obviously, the club was, or the, the team has won two games since then. It's too early to sign Kevin Musket to any contract, isn't it? We reviewed the, the, the position at the end of the season, surely. I, I think he'll, he'll sign on now. Um, not just because of these two results, but I think just the, the prevailing view and the wins outside of our little disaffected bubble talking about Kev and his deficiencies every week. I think there's a, a view that last season, within a kick of winning the whole thing, season before, win everything, how can you look at those facts objectively and not renew his contract? So I think it's a foregone conclusion that he will be our manager for another two years. And I can already hear the groans What do you think there. about that, Buds? I think Dave's done a backflip on that one. I have. <laughs> in the last sort of week or two, I've yeah. kind of been sizing it all up. Well, did, yeah. did you did you see his posts on the forum about backflipping on Kev? It's not no, the it's greatest, a backflip. It was the greatest display of Dante Hicks fence sitting slash <laughs> I've ever seen. I, I just stayed right out of it. I didn't. I didn't want to be seen as just gotta... as, as, as going the man, going my FES teammate. I was just like. <laughs> Jeepers! It was good entertainment. Everyone, a lot of people yeah. were just like, "What the fuck?" I'm like, "Ah, oh, this is classic Dave. He's he's sat there one night and he's had to think about it, and he's gone, no, no, no. He's, I'm a thinker. Base, I'm a base. thinker. Hey, I'm not I'm a thinker. He is. He is. He had, I'm gonna add that to the greatest <laughs> the, best, the best thing is that Dave backs himself and has plenty of, um, let's say, facts behind his argument and doesn't back down. And I, I like it. I like it. I think we need we need that here. We can't be all pro out, Kev. Because I spoke last week about it, there was um certain metrics um, that you know KPIs to keep jobs, and if if Kev jags a couple of wins and we make finals, we finish fourth or third, and we make an H. I think if we finish top four here, we make at least semi finals out of this season of the A League, and we can jag a playoff place for the Champions League. You can't sack him. I think third is quite likely at this point. City are nose diving at the moment. We're one point behind them. Uh, the Champions League, as it did under Kev the first time around, has galvanised this squad. If we can pull out something decent against Kawasaki, that'd be nice. But I think at the moment, it's it's sort of ringing very similar to to what happened when he first took charge. Yeah, I just I just don't think if if he makes if we make it into Asian Champions League playoff spot, you can't you can't really sack him, and they won't because. Really, who who else are they going to attract to the A-League at the moment? The A-League's not exactly up in lights, so to speak, to the rest of the world. So yeah. you've got to get someone better. You, you, that, that's the thing. You have to get someone better. And if there's no one better, then we're just going to have to go with the go with the man of better the devil we know, unfortunately. A couple of other tidbits, Jace. Yeah. Daria Kalajic, speaking of managers, is now gone from the Knicks. Initially, we heard that... Uh, a couple of days ago that he would see out the season, but it looks as though he's out the door already. Chris Greenacre, who's becoming quite the specialist caretaker, once again takes over temporarily. They're a shambles. And he it. seems like one of the most hated men uh, Why? to ever... Well, he just seems like he's got Kalajic. a lot of... Yeah, got a lot of riffs there. Well, yeah, like, the like, whole Vitasic thing that went down. Um, Finkler. I'd, yeah, I just think um, 
it was always going to be a challenging one. You could, I could, you know, being of Croatian background, I could hear him on the sidelines yelling out to guys like Goran Parachki in Serbo-Croatian or, you know, Croatian, they're talking to one another. And it, you could just sort of sense that, and I think that was one of the reasons why uh, the Vitasiches kind of fell out as well. But to me, it begs the question again, you know, with them being in a shambolic state again, the Phoenix, you know, what are they bringing to the league right now, given the crisis that we have currently? Saw today that Southern Expansion FC have once again sort of flexed their muscles a little bit about what they want to do with an A-League licence. So perhaps we might see another sort of straight swap scenario where you know, we saw Gold Coast exit Western Sydney enter. That could happen. Oh, look, I think the only way you can keep Wellington in this competition is to put in an Auckland team. It's the only way you work, but then it's it's not what we should be doing. No. That's the only way they will work though. You have yeah. to bring something of you have to bring something of value to the New Zealand audience and you have to get money in from there because at the moment they don't have a rival. You can't make this bullshit up about a distance derby. Oh come on, and, mate, the distance derby oh. it's bigger than the and no one, yeah, no, like they they, they have crap <laughs> game times. Sometimes we're playing games in the middle of the week at five thirty p.m. It's just logistically a nightmare. It's hemorrhaging money. Yeah, no one cares about them. They don't add anything, and we shouldn't be helping another nation's football league. Agreed. The only way you can do it, there's only two ways to it. You get rid. It can't work like it is now. You get rid of them, or you give them a derby. You put an Auckland team in, and that's that's the only way it's going to work. And lastly, congratulations and. Uh and thank you to the forward and big picture thinking of NPL club, Brunswick City, around the corner from here, right, yeah. who encouraged their juniors and club members to attend the derby last week. This sort of thinking, I think, is what we need to see more of in Australian football. And I know a lot of Vucks get to NPL sides during the winter months. I'd like to encourage all our listeners to get along and support Brunswick City when they can. I love supporting Brunswick very good, very good. I used to play uh, indoor at Springvale, and whenever there was a Socceroos game on, there was no, no, no indoor on that night. That's big picture thinking that uh, we need more of in this country. Mm. I think we're going to run out of time for for listener questions. I think we're going extremely over time. Just a couple. Yeah, just a couple. All right, so I'm going to combine two here. This is from the Brock's Facts and Anthony Renelli. So this is questions that were sent in to us via Twitter earlier this afternoon. Uh, it has to do with the money that we're getting from... Not only Milsey and Jason Guerrier, but also Marco Rojas, who we sold uh, during the off-season, if my memory serves correctly. So there's a, there's a bit of a treasure chest there. What do we do with it? Right now, we, we can't really... We, we've got our marquee spots allegedly tied up in Bessart Barisha and James Teresi. Now, from what we hear, this, this James Teresi thing is maybe a bit of a handshake agreement, not so much set in stone. So is there a possibility now that with a few of these guys that are leaving that we can maybe get James Teresi under the cap and still pay him a reasonable wage and then go after an absolute superstar and pay him, you know, for instance, $2 million for a year? Until such time as we actually see you know, in print, in black and white, what the decisions are around the marquee stuff, I'm going to sort of hold off judgment. If it is Bessart and, and Troisi, then it seems to me a complete waste of time and money uh, and will really deflate enthusiasm for the next season for a lot of people. So, look, I'd like to think that um, this money is sitting in a bank right bank account right now, gathering interest. Um, oh, DPHR has got it in a few know, different few different places, and it's, it's accumulating money. And what are you insinuating? I'm saying logs and cash. They know what okay. to do with it. Uh, just yeah. don't, don't go there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but look, the club. The board don't take dividends. They will reinvest this money into the club. And, you know, obviously transfer fees and marquee wages is where we would like mm. to see that money invested. I've got a question. Go, Go for it. it. Uh, from Patrick Lafrate. Yes. Uh, having watched Michael Zapponi interview with Leroy after the win, how much do you guys think it will take to get him to stay at least another year versus going back to Holland to be with his young family? Hashtag reemploy Leroy. Now, just quickly, I wasn't aware until I actually watched this interview that Leroy has a, boy, a young boy who's playing for Ajax, I yep, think, yep. Um, oh. in the juniors. I didn't realise he'd left his entire family uh, over in Europe. That's a humongous um, 
humongous family decision that's going to weigh on him because he's been here for a good, what, he's been here since August? Six months. Six months, longer. Was there another player in the past that did that as well with Victory that left their And if they haven't come over for the summer, for here, they're not going to come over for the winter because they're not going to leave the European summer. Yeah. I think that's going to put a humongous... um, Question mark on us having the ability to re-sign him. No, how much, no matter how much money we we pay him. But as I said last week, he was kind of in no man's land as a footballer playing in Turkish second division, like completely anonymous. Um, Based on all that evidence, you know the the family and mm. you know the stuff we're hearing about who's going to be paid outside of the cap. It's actually hard to see how we're going to hold on to him. Um, well, that's the thing. If you're going to leave your family for a year, you're going to want to be paid big bucks. So you got to show them huge. The at, that w- at the end of it, it was definitely what I got from the watching the interview. I was like, wow. But I was and the thing that went through my head was this guy hasn't needed to acclimatize. He's been on since day one. Apart from the fitness stuff, but yeah, he's slowly getting stuff, better with that. But he's um his performances for how oh, he's had an Im- he's had an impact since day one, and he hasn't needed to acclimatize. And I'm telling you, I I would miss my family like crazy. And you're in a completely like Australia is completely different to the rest of the world. It's a long way away. You can't just take a couple of hours flight and see them for the weekend like you could in Europe or po- even potentially the Middle East, where it's only like a six or seven hour flight. Like you could achieve things about seeing your family here it's very hard so it's testament to his performances with us yep and his professional attitude but gee the club have got a serious situation on their hands trying to trying to get him they got to show him the money they got to show him the money show me the money yeah most definitely uh the final one i'll take is from king didge and uh what's it going to take for the club to actually set up a scouting department surely the benefits will far outweigh the small cost to have it up and running should be a priority for the board to implement asap well, Melbourne Victory, if you're listening, I'm quite happy to become the club's official scout. Uh, mm. Qantas flights only, please. And, uh, yeah, uh, business class. And I'll go anywhere you want me to go and I'll, I'll go to Eastern Europe. I'll, I, you know, yeah, let's I can, take a leaf out of the Sydney yeah, book. I can help, Dave, and I can help yep. scout the Czech leagues and the Polish leagues. Like That's We it. can both speak Slavic languages and we can get the good players for cheap, just like Sydney keep doing. And I can assure you that Buds and I will be business... Yeah, purely about business when we're on such trips. Absolutely. Plays football manager once. Wants to become a chief scout of the Melbourne Victory Football well, you, Club. You, you don't think I can't identify talent? Have you seen my wife? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Dave Zinger. Absolute zinger. <laughs> you get a, you get a Cooper Crunker or something. That's a, that's a Hall of Fame, it, Dave. Thanks, mate. Well done. Uh, but seriously, though, <laughs> we, we, do, we need, do we need this? <laughs> Do we need to hire people? Yes, who are... yes, we do. Let's 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 attack this question with some uh, seriousness. I think any football club worth its salt has a chief scout, you know, that sends other scouts or at least subcontracts other scouts to identify talent, figure out what wages are going to attract that talent to Australia. We're ahead of so many other places in the world when it comes to lifestyle, places you want to be playing in the summer, Asian Champions League. We're a big club. Look at, you know, it was only 20,000 there at the Derby last Friday. And it's an amazing place to play football. And we're, we're, we're football fans that are acclimatised to good players only hanging around one or two years. So you don't need to spend your career here. Just entertain us for a little bit. There's so many bargain basement deals to be had globally There's that so, only yeah. a scouting network can actually unravel. Yeah, like... An internet program or a website aren't going to give you those real-world relationships and contacts that you need and you can have. There's nothing like picking up the phone sometimes. Mm. But at the moment, we're just watching DVDs, apparently, and uh, And taking agent recommendations. Uh, So, yeah, we're really and truly running out of time. Thanks to everyone who submitted their questions for the Q&A. We're going to finish up there. That's the end of For Fuck's Sake for this week. Uh, Good to have you back, boys. Before we go, Good just to a be back. quick word from a sponsor that I missed, Handsome Migration. They provide immigration assistance. So if you, your partner, or your parents are looking to migrate to Australia, they can help by advising you of the best visas and help you navigate through the tricky visa application process. Get them onto Leroy George's family. Absolutely. For a free consultation uh, with a registered, mi- registered migration agent, give Nick a call on 04. 04- 
499-4491 or visit hansonmigration.com.au, Hanson with an E, to complete a free online assessment. Assessment, mention FES and receive a 10% discount off your fees. And so no we'll, relation to Pauline Hanson. So she wouldn't so. be in that game. So we'll, we'll leave that there for now. We do have a Champions League game on Wednesday. We've got a Champions League game on Tuesday. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, yes, back to back. Back to back Kawasaki. So both we, won't, we won't do a podcast on Monday. We might do one on Wednesday. I'm not too sure how your schedules align. We'll work it out. We might do We'll, we'll figure it out. Yep. Uh, what we'll do, we'll, we'll, we'll bid you goodbye. Um, but Dave, I don't usually do this anymore. I don't usually end with a, with a song. But I'm going to give you the song you want, the song you've been pining over. Oh, there's not much out there. We did a bit of a search on Leroy and George. No, no give me the song that you want. Absolutely no Leroy's. It's I'm all give George. give the song yeah. you want. But uh, for now, it's goodbye. I'm on the vuck. Come on. Bad. 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 Bad.